Hey everyone, I'm Abe and this is 20. Today I'm talking with Michael from Chicago, Illinois, and in 20 questions, we're going from how was your Tuesday to questions of basic identity and purpose. Hey Michael, thanks so much for joining me today. Abe, what's up? So we have just about 30 minutes, so I'd like to begin. Let's do it. That was a great intro, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so I start off the podcast with this question. How would your friends describe you? Oh, man. Well, it, that's a good question because I think certain friends would describe me certain ways. Um, it's weird when you kind of get older and you, you make friends in different categories. That It's like if your whole person is a sort of complex pie chart, most friends mm-hmm. only get like certain parts of the pie. So um, it depends. I, th- I think probably some friends would think that I'm like this outgoing kind of social person. And then some friends would see me as like, like a behind the scenes nerd, like on a computer tech person. And then some people would see me as like, I don't know, some sort of nonprofit person. I don't know. There's like a weird um, pie chart of who I am. And I guess it depends on who you ask, but I, I wish I could ask you the same question back of what you would describe me as. Sure. Um, well, my second question then is what's your favorite part of the pie chart then? So you talk about different facets of your personality. What's your favorite part mm. of your personality? Uh, I hope and maybe this is why talking to you in this context is hard. I like to be a listener. Um, I mm. love to just listen to people and um, hear about what's going on and sometimes just just be there to, to hear what they have to say. And sometimes maybe if lightning strikes to be offer, uh, to be able to offer some wisdom, but that's the part chart that I like. I like listening. Very cool. So tell me about a time that um, you were like really impacted by a story that you were listening to, um, whether it be funny or sad or dramatic. Um, do you remember a really impactful story while you, you were listening? I think it's, it's weird because at one point in time, and maybe this was because I was a high school boy once upon a time, is I, I felt like I had a pretty low grade of empathy Um, like I was able to identify mentally with stories and and kind of understand at a soul level, but over the past probably five years, um, there's been more and more instances where people share stories with me and like, I feel like their pain in a different way, or I feel their acceleration and their joys. Um, anytime someone like shares that they're getting married, I like cry (laughs) or if they're going to have a baby or they, they're like expecting a baby. Like my, my response is tears now. And (laughs) I'm like tearing up right now thinking of all the people in my life that have like recently had babies or gotten married. And I think that's something that uh, I haven't sort of grown up doing, but the being able to feel other people celebrating with their victories and mourning with their losses, um, it, it may be less specific, but those are the kinds of things that I love to just join people in. Awesome. Very cool. Um, so you said you haven't considered yourself like growing up and being kind of emotional in that way. When, when, did you, when do you recall that kind of switching? Probably, probably mid-20s. Um, I think mid-20s is when there's like a, a, an incredible life shift where um, you're entering a new phase of adulthood. Um, but in that, all of the people around you are entering new phases of adulthood, which in turn allows those people to kind of absorb different life experiences. Um, Mm. It's the time where more of my friend's parents were dying and I just got to be part of grief with others. Um, It's also the time where people are getting married and, uh, or people are getting sick or, you know, 
yourself. Some, I, I had been in the hospital for some things. And, and there's just like a new category of um, experiencing the highs and lows of life in a different way. Um, and maybe just like a, a new level of awareness with with the la-di-da sort of oblivion of youth <laughs> into this is the hard part of what it looks like to be a human and to be older and to not only deal with your own stuff, but to also um, do it in community with other people, friends or coworkers or, or both. Sure. What um, two-part question. What was the hardest um... – what has been the hardest part of this adulthood in your 20s and what's been the easiest kind of transition into adult, adulthood for you? The hard part, I think there's something about um, sharing burdens and carrying burdens of others that um, is kind of a new uh, space of of adulthood for me where um, – whether I'm recently married and so like that's like a new way of kind of connecting to another person on a soul level and and sharing excitement and sharing sadness um so that's a it's a pretty hard thing when you kind of multiply that it also maybe goes to your personality of, of what it looks like to carry burdens but um I'm pretty involved in my church and and there's like really just really sweet moments of um seeing like the fruit and the beauty in, in life, uh, seeing lives changed and all sorts of levels, but carrying the burdens has been pretty tough for me. Um, mm. from like people with depression or, or mental illness or, um, yeah, death and sickness. There's, there's, there's all these things, anxiety. Um, and you just get to learn, even if you haven't experienced all those things yourself, uh, you get to learn through people and, and, and carrying that um, as a good friend or hoping to be a good friend um, is pretty tough. Um, sure. But I think the easy part or the, the better part of sliding into the grown-up space, I'm almost 30, so I feel like I'm, I'm starting to get the smallest taste of uh, adulthood. I think that the coolest part is just having a better grasp on, on who you are. Like I feel like I know who I am now better than ever before because I've – gotten a chance to learn and to grow and to fail and to just destroy stuff and to build off that destruction. And, um, there's a kind of in a sense of, I've, I've arrived at least to a point where I, I get at least how I function in the world a little bit better, which helps me in turn function with others better, hopefully. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So you, you mentioned, you know, who you are now more than ever. Who, who are you? Who is Michael? That kind of goes to the first question you asked, who, who am I? <laughs> who, who do other people say? Um, this is going to be like such a contradiction. Like, oh, I know myself better. Who am I? Hmm. <laughs> There's, um, I, I think when it, when it comes down to it, I think I'm someone who like desperately cares to be a positive force in other people's life. Um, whether that's in a literal sense, like, we're going to do life together and grab a drink and, and talk about things shoulder to shoulder or in a figurative sense where sort of the nature of, of my work and, and helping serve people, um, even if I can't see them and they're on the other side of the world, um, I feel like that's an attribute that I've understood in myself and I love building things. I love making things and I love connecting things. And so mm -hmm. when you kind of combine those two things, I feel like I'm starting to get all right, if I can build stuff, if I can dream stuff, I can make stuff and do it with people and help people and serve people, that's that's probably my sweet spot and that's where I like to like to hang out. 
So do you do that in in your work? You said so. What do you what do you do for work? Um, and and how has your personality like been a really good fit for what you're doing? I um, mean, can you share kind of elaborate a little bit about what it's like to be Mike in his work position? <laughs> that, well, I work for World Vision. It, we are a Christian humanitarian nonprofit organization dedicated to serving children um, in communities, and that's like the boilerplate copy. But at the core. We do all sorts of incredible relief and development work all over the world. And every nonprofit and every humanitarian organization has different styles. Um, but of the sort of complex relief and development formula that we follow, um, my team specifically, we get to uh, help fundraise for clean water projects in Africa. And I really love it. And being able to see the work firsthand is incredible. Um, but specifically, when you said, who is Mike?, um, no one at my job calls me Mike, and no one at my job calls me Michael. Everyone calls me Berg. Uh, like, yeah, it's it's a little exciting to get a nickname. <laughs> it's weird to be given new names when you're like older in life. Um, sure. Especially when there's a bunch of Michaels or Mikes or whatever, and so they call me Berg, and that's I don't know. This like when you get into adulthood and you're sort of finding your your new groove, and and a, a new name comes with it. Um, I guess my new sort of space, I get to work sort of in the creative side of things, but then also the fundraising side of things, but then also like a culture making side of things. And um, we, we activate people, we activate thousands of people to step up and take on challenges to serve the poor. Um, and in our team specifically, Team World Vision, we get folks to do things like run races, like marathons and half marathons, triathlons, 6K walk runs, um, getting people to get out of the couch, go do something advocate for for people um, and raise some funds for for clean water projects that are um, transforming lives very cool so have you always um, kind of been an advocate for social justice or things like making the world a better place or has this been kind of something in your um, your 20s I think there's always been kind of a heart for that um, in high school like I had all these like little projects that I loved doing with other people, whether it was in student council or through my church or whatever. Um, there was always some like shenanigans that we were up to <laughs> from like getting people to donate the socks off their feet for homelessness or raising money to go to Africa to, to visit work and see what the world is like on the other side of the planet. Um, and also just, I, I don't know. I don't know what it would have been like to go to high school with me, but what I do remember of my own experience is that, um, I just really wanted to connect with as many people as possible. And um, whether they were like in a sort of subculture that identified with what I liked or something totally different, um, whether it was a different good or a different that wasn't celebrated as much. Um, I just loved getting to know people's stories and um, just hanging out with them. And so maybe, maybe it's kind of been a common thread throughout my life, but certainly there's been a longer path kind of shaping the, the, the formality of how it's kind of manifested myself into an employee doing all those things at, for, for, for a full-time living. Right on. For those of you who are listening, um, Michael and I actually went to high school together and we were in Battle of the Bands and we won. <laughs> um, we were kind of a cover band of, of 10. We were one of 10 bands and we were the only one that was a cover band and we won and everyone was mad at us because we were a cover band, but it was really fun. So It was so um, fun. It was awesome. So that's just a little side, little story for you, listeners. Do you think um, we should have won? 
Oh yeah, for sure. We were, we were <laughs> awesome. We got the crowd going and that's what it, that's what it's all about. So uh, my ninth question for you, uh, Michael, if you were to write an autobiography today about your life um, so far, what would it be called and why? It's actually really interesting because I have a friend, uh, his name is Michael Chitwood, and he recently wrote a book, and his was called um, The Ability to Endure. And he's been through a lot of struggle and pain in his life. And um, we actually, pretty often in our office, uh, we talk about if we were to write a book, what would the name of the book be? Nice. And this is a book that I've been, like, I've been just struggling with coming up with my imaginary book that's never been written, like what the title would be. Um, and this kind of connects to some of the things we've been talking about earlier. And I think the title of my book would be how to be a friend to how to be a friend when your friends are sad, because Mm. there is so man, there's, there are so many things that people go through all day, every day that are not expressed. They're not shared. And, um, a lot of times friends can like have no idea that their friends are in pain or their, their friends are kind of going through something. But then when they do find out, they like, from, from what, just what I've seen so far, a lot of people don't know how to respond well. Um, and they, they try to fix things or they try to like come up with a magic word to like make everything rainbows and flowers. But I think there's just something about being a friend that's just there and, and trying your best to, to meet people where they're at and not like dragging them into the next part of the rainbow is, um, that would be my book. And and I hope that you would read it. And <laughs> I think, yeah. I think, um, I mean, you've been a good friend to me and you've, you've like sat with me and stuff and hopefully I've been a friend to you in that. And I think there's just a lot of cool things to learn about how to be a friend to people when they're sad. Sure. Especially when, I mean, I say this a lot in my podcast and kind of refer to it, but we're in the time where we see the highlights of people's lives on social media, whether it be Snapchat or Instagram. And it's really just hard to you like you said, be real and meet people where they're at, and that's a, a trait that I hope that we're not losing as a human human race because that's so important. And, and my and my tenth question is, how do you stay balanced? You said you know part of your transition into adulthood has been really kind of grappling with how do I. Um, the hard part is like you know dealing people's hurt and kind of carrying that burden, and then you talk about that with your book with your future book. Um, so how do you like, how do you stay positive? How do you want to, how do you want to continue to help? Because some people, you know, give up or say like, I can't handle anymore. I think the first thing is that I'm just wired to be like this raging optimist. Um, there's just this life outlook, this worldview that I have that like anything is possible. So I'm just on edge waiting for that, that next sort of cycle to move. Um, so that's probably just Part one. Part two, I think, is um, being well-rounded in friendship and kind of um, it can get really easy to 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 join the pity party. And if you're only around sort of sadness and you kind of curate people around you that share just misery, um, that could be really dangerous. But um, conversely, if you only surround yourself with people that are happy-go-lucky and there's no struggle and strife, then there's something wrong with that too. I think. But when it comes to seeking balance um in friendship and in community it's a pretty it's a pretty major thing to um to want both and to to seek out both but also to um to be honest and be real and and let people in to support you when when you're struggling and so um hopefully i do a good job of of in the people in my life that i really trust letting them in to 
to do the same for what I do with people. So it doesn't feel like kind of like a, a strange one way, you know, where I can receive the stories of people, but never give them, um, sure. to, to sort of share, share as well, rather than simply receive. Hmm. If, um, for my 11th question, um, if you were to go back and give your 21 year old self some advice, what would you give younger Michael? <laughs> I, I mean, the only thing really is like, don't buy those expensive diesel jeans. Like they're going to go out of style and then you're, it's just, you just, you could save a couple bucks, but everything else, um, any like disaster or life fail or whatever, like I would want to keep because there's so many things that I've learned, um, about who, who I am now and how, uh, I don't know, just decisions like in the college party scene or, or, with girls or whatever, like all, there's all these things that I look back and I'm like, man, I, I wish I would have done that differently. But in the same way I would tell you, Oh, actually here's the thing. I, I got it. I would say, <laughs> keep doing what you're doing, Michael or Mike or whatever the name I was going by. But at that time I would say, just don't stress out so much after college. That'd be the one thing I would tell myself. Cause I put so mm-hmm. much pressure on myself to like deliver an awesome job right after college. And then I realized after getting jobs that I love is that everyone is on a different sort of time clock. And if you get your dream job right away, that's sweet. If it takes you five or 10 or whatever years, that's sweet too. There's not a, there's not a scorecard of like, I don't know when you're in in high school or college or whatever, you're supposed to go on to the next year. And from a freshman, you become a sophomore from a junior, you become a senior. There's like this linear year by year progression of hitting every mark um, but once you graduate, there's a, there's like a new freedom, but no one tells you that everyone just stresses out at finals and they become a senior and they're just in a just miserable head state. So I would tell myself to relax a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Because you're built up in college to, you know, have all this confidence and then you're dumped in the real world. Like, Oh, I don't even know how to balance my checkbook. Like, yeah. how do I do this? And we're expected to, you know, get a really good paying job. That's, that's good advice. Um, so you so with your um, work with you know communities around the world with World Vision, how do you envision our world is going to change in the next five to ten years? What are some of the biggest things that you think are going to be um, kind of impacting the human race or the Earth in a positive or a negative um, sense? Oh man, this could be a whole separate podcast. <laughs> so, but I mean, since we work with clean water and our team specifically, the the need for clean water is is huge. Um, right now, over 600 million people don't have access to safe water. Um, and so water, sanitation, and hygiene, that sort of uh, trio is the foundation of human life, from from drinking water to um, irrigation for plants and for livestock. Uh, water is everything. Water is life. And there's going to be... I love water. Water is so good. I, um, yeah. Some people don't like water. But anyway, uh. but so there's there's... <laughs> There's a growing population and, and our, our water sources um, aren't universally accessible. And so um, getting access to safe water is, is a really important thing. Um, that's kind of one thing uh, in terms of uh, starvation. I mean, there's a huge hunger crisis right now happening in East Africa. Um, it's like on the verge of famine. It's kind of going back and forth. And 25 million people right now are sort of their lives are at risk. Uh, because of lack of food. And there's all this stuff happening in the world that doesn't get the media attention. 
And so it's easy to kind of not think about. And so um, it's hard sometimes to, to get people in mass excited about wanting to make change um, when they're just, they don't know about the change. So thanks for asking me that question. But those are kind of two things that are top of mind. Um, sure. Child protection is a huge issue. Um, refugees, I mean, we can go on and on about refugees and how certain countries are responding different ways. Um, there's going to be war, there's going to be strife, but if we can at least get people food, shelter, safe places for children and water, um, this is at least, that's at least something. It's crazy how we take the, our basic necessities for granted every day. I drink close to a hundred ounces of water a day and I actually just, it kind of hit me like, wow, like so many people don't have water. So thanks for sharing that. Um, so uh, we have around 10 minutes left. And uh, my 13th question is if a genie were to grant you three wishes right now, what would you wish for? Wish number one. Okay. Are we talking like altruistic wishes? Like, oh, here's world peace. Are we talking yeah. like selfish motivation? So some of uh, I've asked this in a numerous amount of my podcast, but some have answered both, both ways and a mix of both as well. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm going to just do the selfish version because I'm sure like Amanda Cashman or someone has like given you the, the beauty pageant answer. <laughs> I wish that I could breathe out of two nostrils. <laughs> like, okay. like I have just chronic, I don't know if it's allergies or what. I just can't breathe well. So I, I wish I wish I could do that. Um, I wish that I could stop time and manipulate time. That would be mm. incredible. And um, I wish that uh, I could see more of my friends more often. And maybe that would be like the time manipulation thing or maybe a teleportation. But those are the three things. Breathing, time manipulation, and then more more hanging out with more people. I think you and my husband Isaac would get along because the manipulation of time. He always like, oh, I want more time. I want more time. Gosh, it's like, would you rather go forward or backward? Or like yeah. more, uh, Bill and sure. Ted style. And, and Hamilton too. Um, oh, yeah. So 14th question. Um what is your spirit animal? My spirit animal is, I don't know if this is true. The first thing I thought was the dolphin. Mm. Let's go with the dolphin. Love it. Um, do you have anything on your bucket list for this year? Um, this year, uh, I, one thing on my bucket list is to bring Jill, Karen Brock, my lovely wife, to Kenya for the first time. We've never been to Africa together, and it's such a big part of my life. And um, we're working on going together in October to visit some work and meet our sponsored children and run the Nairobi Half Marathon with the Kenyans. So that's a really um, exciting thing that is on my bucket list. But maybe this is two answers. But my sister is due for her first baby, the first baby of the family. And so um, really looking forward to that as well. Yay, Uncle Mike. Oh. Uncle Mike. I'm gonna be Uncle I'm gonna Michael. be Tito Mike. I love it. I love it. I'm so the Philippines and so like wanting to keep like some semblance of the Filipino heritage alive, Tito Michael. Sure. That's awesome. Um so word on the street is that you are in your first year of marriage. Congratulations. Thank you. Um what has been the biggest um thing you've learned so far in marriage that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, biggest thing. Um, this is, I mean, there's like a lot of things that you hear about before you're married from the wedding planning season to like the newlywed season. And something that a lot of people don't talk about, which I thought more people should probably start talking about is 
how much joint decision making just is. Um, and it, you kind of get a preview of that, like in wedding planning, like, oh, where should we get married? Oh, what kind of food should we have? Oh, who should do this? And so there's like a lot of sort of those logistical planning things, but then you kind of get into bigger life stage planning things and everything in between, like what to have for dinner versus like how to invest your money or, I mean, they're, the decision making jointly is, it's a game changer and it's sweet, but um, I realize there's there's a lot to that that um, doesn't get enough ten- attention. So mm. that's probably a, a good a good learning. That's very, very true. Um, if you were to, if you had the opportunity to call up President Trump and he, you had 10 minutes with him and he would listen to anything you would say, what would you, what would you say to him? Dear Mr. Trump, please step down. Great. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. No, that's awesome. I love that. I thought about Perfect. writing my first letter to the White House. I, I wish I would have written letters in the past just to like express gratitude. And so, but I was like, maybe I can just write a letter and just say, dear Mr. Trump, please step down. I saw Michelle Obama at the Etsy, Epsi awards, like the, uh, the athletic awards, um, on TV and, the, wow, I sound like I don't know anything. Um, the athletes, like the, oh, big the SPs. Athletes, SPs, SPs. And I was like, oh, I miss you so much. You're the best. <laughs> um, so my 18th question, if someone, if I gave you a million dollars right now, what would you do with it? Oh, man. I wish I could say something like, oh, invest wisely to get a great return. But um, I would, I would really love to just pay off some debt, but then just like, share it around, like save some for, for our life, but, but just give as much away as possible. Um, there's a street in, or a, a, a church in Chicago called the South street church. And they actually did that. They just had like a budget and they just gave away a, like a million bucks. And wow. it was just a sweet view of generosity. Cause they got to see what people did with it. And um, it's really inspiring to see like what happens if you are generous with what you have because the money will do things far beyond like whatever you can think of. And um, a lot of good can come from it. So yeah, I would, I would just give a ton away to friends and family and organizations I believe in. And um, I would probably also fix my windshield wipers. You need that in Chicago weather for sure. Need it. Love it. Um, so my 19th question, and we have around four, three and a half minutes left. Um, when's the last time you cried and why? That's a staple question that I have every podcast episode. Every podcast episode. Are we talking like weeping, crying? However you want to interpret it. Mm. Well, I mean, I cried like a little bit ago just talking to you when I was talking to you about <laughs> like my, my nose is still a little bit runny from that moment. Um, but I think kind of like a good cry um and you might have to edit the long pauses out of this one but at this point i can't remember a last like good cry Mm. oh maybe actually i do know it was at your wedding (laughs) <laughs> like, it was nice it was phil's it was phil's best man speech and 
I think I was just going through a lot at the moment. I got married the week before. There was just something that struck me, and I was so happy. I just was. It was like the hardest that I've cried in a long time, and I don't think I've cried that hard since. And I was just like, I was, <laughs> I was losing it. You had to like walk, uh, walk, like get up and walk away for a little bit from was, the table. Yeah, and and it was it was cool. You know, like sometimes if someone throws up, it makes other people throw up. Yeah, you know, just this weird chain reaction. There was like that same phenomena, but with crying. Like everyone around me yeah. was just crying, and it just made everyone cry more. Yeah, it was. But they very, were happy. They were happy tears. Totally, very powerful. I was really thankful. Um, for those of you who haven't watched, there's our wedding video. So message me if you want that. Um, so my last question. And I end off the podcast episode with this question every time. I mean, we have just around a minute and 20 seconds left. So what's the biggest life lesson you've learned so far? Biggest life lesson, um, that there is no uh, um, cap for how much you can love people. And, Mm. And loving people is a choice. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for your time. Um, it's It's been awesome to talk to you and chat with you and get to know a little bit about your life and emotions. And I mean, we're friends and it's it's really cool to spend 30 minutes with you. It went by really fast. Um, so yeah, I just want to thank you for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Abe. I wish I could do this again and ask you the questions. Maybe Maybe next time. There will be an episode on my podcast, a series that people will ask me questions. So think of a question to ask me. Um, So that's all for me, folks. So until next time, keep it real. Cheers.